going on. How many of you just sense God's presence today? Hope you feel that online. And I know Pastor Kathy was saying, we were just chatting as she came off the stage, that we need to feel that moment. We need to experience that when faith comes alive, God starts healing people. Come on, somebody. When, when faith comes alive in you, when you begin to agree with what would see what was happening in that moment, maybe you're new to that. So I want to just maybe just take a second to talk to our guest or anybody who's new to that. When you agree with what's being said, faith comes alive on the inside of you and the healing is manifest. You can step into your miracle with your confection. How many believe that? And so I just thank God for a church that believes that there is still power in the name of Jesus, that there's still miracle-working power, come on somebody, in the name of Jesus. So today we just get in faith with that today. We've got several things we're trying to do through our service today and a special announcement at the end. So once you grab your Bible this morning, so glad to be a part of this journey with Pastor Kathy and our team and thank God for what he's doing. You can turn to Genesis chapter 1. And I want us to look together at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And then we're going to jump over to Philippians chapter 1. I know that that's a little bit of change. So the folks in the back can just take note of that. We're in this season of discipleship in our church, of growing deeper. Of course, there's not really a season for discipleship. We're just always growing in God. But we've purposed in our hearts that God's plan for our life is not just to show up on a Sunday. Come on, somebody. Not just consume or just be a part of an attendance, but to really let God shape and form our lives in a deep way. And so during that season, we've been praying, Lord, show us your way, show us your path. I want to talk about that some today as we read out of Genesis 1, 28. Look at, look at, this is the first chapter of Genesis. We talk about this creation account that describes how God started everything, how he begins everything. How many of you know that God begins all things in the good? So we see that in Genesis 1, all throughout the passages, God creates light and he says it is good. God separates the land from the waters and he says it is it is good. God separates the heavens from the earth. He says it is good. Verse 28 said, then God blessed them. He creates man and woman and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and, the, and everything crawling on the ground. And then God said, I now give you all the plants and all the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruits produce its seed within it. These will be your food. To all the wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give the green grasses for food. And that's exactly what happened. And look at the last part of verse, in verse 31. God saw everything he had made. It was what? Supremely good. It was very good. Somebody say very good. That the Hebrew word there for good is used all throughout Scripture. It's the word tov. Somebody say tov. T-O-V, tov. It's good. And so after God finishes all the creations, creates man and woman, and he looks at all he had done, and he says this is supremely good. And I want you to flip over into Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, verse 6. Paul's writing to the Philippians church. And he says, I'll actually read verse, I'll start in verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, 
always in every prayer of mine for all making prayers with joy because of your, your partnership, somebody say partnership, or your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And then look at six, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a what? He who began a good work will do what? He will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I want to read that again. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, somebody say good work, he who began a good work will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you realize where whatever God starts, it's good? Whenever he finishes it, it's good. And right in the middle, come on somebody, it's also good. It may, it's, we don't have a problem sometimes remembering that God starts, it's good, but we got to remember in the end it will be good. And somehow, even when I don't understand it, even when I can't make sense of it, even when I don't know why I'm in the season that I'm in or why God's got me at the place that I'm in, it's still, come on somebody, good. And he reminds us in Genesis 1, it's supremely good. So I want to speak over you today that whatever God is doing in your life is good. Whatever you're walking through right now is good. You don't feel like it. You can't explain it, but it's still good. Whatever God is doing is good. So, Father, right now we release over this house today the reading of your word. I pray in your name that it would just, it would build, Lord, a sense of expectation and hope. Lord, I pray over this house today that faith would arise on the inside of us, that we would see that you are taking us on a journey towards a good place. Lord, that just as Paul was reminding us, everything you do, you will complete it in Jesus. All of our life is made complete in you, Lord. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. Amen. This, I, I was reading a book some time ago by a guy named uh, Scott McKnight, and he wrote the book called The Church of Tove. The Church of Tove. And it really just resonated in me, the idea that in Hebrew the word for good is T-O-V, Tove. And today I felt God stirring in my heart to preach on the gospel of Tove. The gospel of Tob, the gospel of the goodness of God. And the idea in, in uh, McKnight's book is that the church was created to live in and to display the goodness of God. When we say we're made in the image of God, what do we mean? We, we don't just mean that we're a gathered people or an organization or an institute. What we mean is, is that God's called us to image his life in the earth to bring the kingdom that is in heaven into our present reality. Come on, somebody. That's what we call the goodness of God. See, God lives in perpetual goodness, in completion. How many of you realize there's a difference between feeling good and God's goodness? You might not feel good about the moment. You might be battling sickness in your body, but God is still good. He still has a purpose. He still has a plan. See, when, when God looks at all of his creation and he says it's supremely good, he means that I have designed this very thing that it will sustain until it has finished what I started it to begin with. 
God's plan for your life finished. I love how Bishop used to say this. God finished with you before he began. See, in God, he completed the process for you. You might be on step four, but God's already on the other side waiting for you to cross the finish line. It just takes an act of obedience. I, re I just feel today that God's calling some of you to a place of obedience. To say, God, I'll take the next step. God, I'll go on the next part of this journey even though I don't understand it. Because God is always good. So God's good plan is good in spite of the obstacles. Can you say amen? God's still working his good plan for the good. And so in discipleship, I'm going to take you somewhere this morning before we pray together. In, in this journey of discipleship, we learn that God is following Jesus is not just about something good happening to me. It's an invitation for me to get in on the good God's already doing. To follow Christ, I'm not just waiting on the next miracle. How many of you realize God didn't call you to live miracle to miracle? Come on, somebody. He's not waiting. You're not just waiting around for the next manifestation of God's presence where you can feel good on a Sunday morning and you feel like God's moving. God's moving when you don't see he's moving. God's moving when you don't say he's moving. God's moving when you don't feel he's moving. God's still present and active. His good is still going on. The question for Christ followers is this. Will you get in on what God is already up to? Do you perceive it? In fact, all throughout Scripture, God's constantly saying, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? In the church, our, we, we get disconnected sometimes between our belief and our lifestyle. I'm going to talk to the church. Is that all right? The church gets, gets mixed up times between we say God's good, but our lifestyle says something totally different. So the real question is, when we read about the latest culture war, do I still believe that God is good? When my preferred politic is not winning or advancing or my, the law or, the, or, or, the, or the, the representative in my democracy doesn't represent me, do I still believe that God's plan is good? When you get turned down or you're disappointed, do I still believe that God is good? When you look at your resources and assets, somebody, when you look at your job situation and it's not like you wished it would be, do you still believe that God is good? How about this? When you look at your own faults and your own failures, do you still believe that God's plan is good? When you're in between, listen to this, when you're in between promise given and promise received, does your life exhibit that God is still good? Am I getting in on what God's doing even when I'm in the in-between time and I'm not yet, I don't yet have a testimony to say, look how God did this amazing thing. You know why God gives you a testimony? So when you're in the next in-between time, you can say, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he did it before. I'm just going to keep following. I'm just going to keep pressing. Come on, somebody. I'm going to keep believing because if he did it then, it's the same God now. And he will be the same God when it's finished. Can you shout amen?
The challenge of discipleship and following Jesus is following him, especially when following him means following him into fire, into process. See, what we, we want to live our life off of a map. A lot of times people think, let me help somebody this morning. You feel like God gives you, has a map up in heaven, and he's just mapping out your, your turns left and right like it's, a, like it's a GPS. How many of you have ever ridden, uh, ridden in a car and you used a GPS that was out of date? Anybody? I, I, that's, that's a difficult task to do. Now, I, I, I purchased a vehicle sometime back, and, and it had the navigation system um, installed already, and which is great. However, I did not buy it brand new. I bought it from someone else. Now, I'm sure when they bought that vehicle, they thought this navigation is amazing. It takes me right where I want to go. Well, last summer, my wife and I, we said, well, we're just going to travel out east. We're going to go to the mountains. We're going to have a good time. And so we just plugged that in, that GPS, and we just said, we take us wherever we want to go. We said, take us to this destination. And we were just traveling along, and all of a sudden, we come off, and it says, turn left, and we're in the middle of a bridge. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's a problem. <laughs> you, you don't want to be turning left while you're on the bridge. But my problem was is that I wanted a map about where I need to go and what I need to do. But my map was out of date, and so that wasn't going to help me. So one thing I could do would be upgrade my map, of course, but that's even not the way that God leads us. Really, God leads us by compass. God's not sovereign in the way that he just dictates to you, you're going to go this way, and then that's going to happen. God enters into your process, and he gives you a compass, and he says, as long as you're moving towards my goodness, you're going in the right direction. Every once in a while, come on, church, every once in a while, when, when, I, was, when I was coming along in, in our kind of, uh, it's like a Boy Scout thing. How many of you remember Royal Rangers? I'm just going to jump out there. Anybody remember? That's way back in the day. All the church people, Royal Rangers. We were like young guys, and they were teaching us survival skills, and they'd give you a compass, and they told you how to use the compass. You put the compass right up to you like this so it stood still, and then you navigated that compass so that you knew where north was. And what they told us was, is as you're walking along, I want you to go to this destination. But when you would walk on that journey, you'd inevitably come to like a ridge that you couldn't go over. Or you'd find a rock in the way that you couldn't get around or just, just move out of the way. And the good thing about that compass was you can hold that compass. And even if you had to go left for a little while, you always knew that I could make it back to the right direction because I had true north. I mean, you know, God's goodness is that way. When you allow God's faithfulness or you, you obey God, you allow God's goodness to get on the inside of you, even when you think you're going backwards, it's okay. Hold on to the compass. God's going to bring you around again. Even when you think you're having to go out of the way. See, I didn't know, and I know Pastor Kathy it said, shared this several times. We didn't know that on, in January we would lose such an incredible part of our life. I didn't have a plan for that. We didn't have a plan for that. And my heart's broken. And I don't know which way to go, but I look down and my compass is here. Because I'm thankful for the seeds planted in my life to remember that if I just keep pointing my life towards goodness, this might not be the turn that I expected. Come on, somebody. But God's still on the path. God's still on and guiding my life down the direction of his goodness. 
Even the word for gospel, some of you know this, even the word for gospel means what? Good news. Good news. It's, it's, from, the, it's from the Greek word meaning great or good announcement. In fact, the, the word was used to actually share the news whenever a new king would be put on a throne, or like for instance in Rome, when Caesar would be anointed king or, or placed in king, the news, the good news would go out that peace and prosperity had come to the land because Caesar was on the throne. So it's an actual announcement that there is good things coming because somebody or an authority has been in, put in place. And I love this quote, we're going to put it on the screen by Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, when he talks, when he references this, this uh, reality of the gospel of, of a king. He says, evil may shape events that Caesar will occupy a place and Christ a cross, but that same Christ will rise up and split history into A.D. and B.C., so that even the life of Caesar must be dated by his name. And look what he says right here. Yes, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. The arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Dr. King was, was focusing on a, a faithful Christian reality that even though I might be in the middle of that arc and it seems like it's going wrong, he was a man who stood for our time and stood for the truths of God's Word and he realized I might not be experiencing it now, but the arc of this thing is bending ever so slightly towards God's good, complete purpose. The arc of history, the arc of moral universe is moving towards justice. And he saw beyond, he saw beyond his moment and he looked through the eyes of resurrection and saw the tove of God. Why? Because we are a people of the resurrection. We are a people of the goodness of God. Let me give you a principle. If the gospel is anything, it's an invitation to get in on the good God is already doing in the world. Really, God's just looking for a people that will say yes to the one simple thing he's told you to do. I heard someone say recently that the great thing you're called to is actually the small things you're doing every day. God's just looking for a people that'll say yes to the one thing that's in front of you and continue to believe that the same God who started all this is going to bring it to a completion. I want you to look at these scriptures. You can just write them down. We'll show them on the screen. That God's doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19 says, look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert pass and in the wilderness. Isaiah 65, 17 says, Behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered and will come to mind. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, So then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of a what? A new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, the new things have come. Ephesians 4.24 says this, but the put on the what? The new self. The new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness.
What do we gather from these passages? That God is always bringing things to a completion. He's making things new again. Here's the, here's the catch. He's not starting a new plan. He's finishing the first plan. I feel like somebody needs to hear that today. God's not starting a new plan. He's finishing the first plan. We think of God sometimes as reactionary, like this has happened in my life, so now God's got to do this. How many of you ever even asked God in our hurt and our pain, God, why did you let this happen? And we associate things to God like acts of God, like, like tornadoes and storms and, and catastrophes. But in reality, God is oftentimes living out that pain with us. That's what, really, that's what really the story of the nativity is about, that in our pain, God said, I'm not going to be apart from them. I'm going to enter in with them. Why? Because God is not going to be separate from a plan he started. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God's not changing a plan. He's just finishing the one he already began. So I just feel like today in your life, you're in the middle of a situation and you can't find God or you're wondering even this. How many of you said, Lord, I made mistakes, so I know I ruined the plan. And I love the love of God because the goodness of God gets right in the middle of that thing you tried to mess up, that thing you tried to screw up, that mistake you think you made, that, that person you should not have been associated with, that business deal that you should not have done, or you said, when God said to do something, you said no. And he, you said, I messed that up. I've missed God's plan. You can't miss God's plan, loved one. You can't miss God's plan, brother and sister. God's still in the process of finishing what he already started, you just need to rise up on the inside and say, God, I'm going to get in on what you're doing in my life. I'm going to see the goodness of a God in the land of the living. I think of David, who, who probably, there, there, I don't know if you have a more incredible dichotomy of a man who loved God, but screwed up time and time again. We like to, you know, we like to take people in Scripture and we like to elevate them as if they had no context. We like to take people like David and say, oh, a man after God's own heart. Sure he was. He's also an adulterer. We like to say David loved God. He was close to God. Sure, he was a murderer. We like to say David really loved God and he really trusted God. Sure he did, but he manipulated. He tried to control his situation. Well, David didn't touch God's anointed, sure, but he tried to use everything else in his power, like his sons, to get the throne when he felt like he, that it was his turn. That, that's the kind of man that he was, but he was still God's man. He was still God's child. And so God had determined that through the line of David, I'm going to bring the kingdom. And so when God decides to do something, he's going to do it. And so even in David's life, he gets to the end of his life and he makes his statement in the Psalms, I would have been discouraged. I would have quit if I did not believe I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see it in my lifetime. Somebody needs to say that. I'm going to see it in my lifetime. I'm going to see it in my family. I'm going to see the promise of God in my ministry. I'm going to see the promise of God in my business. See, you've been fighting and fighting and fighting and you think I've made these mistakes. See, God knows you were going to make mistakes. God knows you. How many of you know God knows you? He, he, he knows you're a handful. 
Come on, you, that was for your neighbor, I know. Tell your neighbor, God knows you're a handful. It's, it's for them, probably not for you. God knows you're a rascal or whatever it is you want to fill it in. I, hey, look, I've been a pastor now for over, for all, over half my life, all my adult life. I'm a rascal. We're all rascals. We're, we all got something in our bloodline and in our, in our genes and in our past. And it's a wonder God does anything with any of us. Am I getting amens in the house? Can I get some online? Maybe somebody online just says, I don't know how God's using this mess. Because we are hot mess all the time. And you just might as well just confess it. Go on, confess it. Because that's, but that, you think God didn't know that? You think God, before he started his plan, says, I got this plan. I hope they work it out. I hope they behave this week. Might as well give up on that, church. God's going to take what he made because it was good. He says, you are good. I made you. So I don't always behave good. I don't always choose good, but I am good. See, that's my confession. That's what it means. We use language like to be in Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. We say things like, I took on the righteousness of God. What that means is I might not always behave like it, but I am good. Not my goodness, but the righteousness of God is on me. I live in that. See, there's something about confessing who you are that draws your life towards that reality. There's something about saying, this is who I am, so I'm going to behave that way. See, a lot of times we try to overcome our behavioral behavior management instead of life transformation. Only the Holy Spirit can change you. Only the Holy Spirit can shape you. What is happening? He wants to make you new again. Again, because He already made you new. When you were born, you were good. When you were born, you were new. You were made in His image, and now He's making you new again. Somebody say, He's making me new again. Now, Pastor Marshall asked me not to go too deep this morning. He's on the front row right here. So I, I'm going to try not to. He, he said, don't go seminary on everybody. So I'm going to try not to, brother. All right. I got out the pen, but don't get upset. We're not going to Kingsgate College quite yet. There will be a test at the end of service. I just saw people like put their Bible up. They're trying to find the kids' church, checking. Let's go, honey. We're, we're leaving. No. No, we're, I, I, just hang on with me. I want to I show you how God's plan is, is still together, okay? So we said that Dr. King reminds us that the long arc of moral, the moral universe bends toward justice, okay? So we have this timeline that we understand in faith as God's plan. So God has a plan for your life, for my life. He has a plan for the world. And this is, this is why this is important, because how you think about the way things are going for you personally and the way things are going for the world will determine how you react every day. Somebody, need, somebody needs to get that. How you think about this, God's plan, plan His purpose, is going to determine how you're reacting when you scroll through social media and find the next thing that takes you off or makes you think the world is going down and, and into an endless spiral. And let me ask, let me take it the next step. It will, it will determine what you think about the God who's in charge of that plan. Some of us don't realize why we have such a, such a, a distance in our, in our faith, why we, we, can't, we can't overcome the difficulties or the challenges of our life because your God is too small. 
The God you're serving is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the one you can imagine. It's the one that gives you control, but you can't get outside of yourself for a moment and just say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob started this thing, and he's going to end it. And the thing is, is he's not ending it in a cataclysmic war of killing off people. He's going to love people until they turn. He's going to love you until you turn. God's, God is patient, but his patience is also added to love. God's not waiting around for you to fail. He's waiting around for his love to take hold in your life. So, so God's plan starts with this. You can write this down. It starts with creation. It moves to formation. And then, then revelation. Okay. And then consummation. Two M's. Ms. Strickland, front row, spelling. Consummation. Two M's. Okay. It starts with creation. It moves to formation. And it ends in consummation. So let me just, these are kind of, some of these are just sort of, you know, biblical words, but they matter to this idea that God starts in one place and he finishes what he started. All right, so start with creation. What we see in Genesis is that the core of everything God creates is good. We said the word for good in Hebrew means what? It's what? It's tov. It's tov. So God starts in tov. God begins in creation with tov. He says in, in verse uh, chapter 1 verse 31 that when he looked at it all it was all very good or supremely good so when God begins something he begins it in good and so I just want to remind you today that you were created in the goodness of God when God decided about your life he created it with a good plan Jeremiah says what that I know the plans I have for you and they are what they are good. So when God decided that, he already finished that too. So inside of creation is both the beginning and the end. In fact, all of Scripture is taking us from creation to creation. He's just making things new again. So God moves from creation to formation. We might call that the struggle. You might call that the struggle. I'm, I move here. Let me just make this this point about God's process and God's plan. God creates in good, but when we see God's plan, we know, we oftentimes come right here. We most of you would agree with me. God starts in good, but then you draw a line right here and say we mess this up. <laughs> we mess this up. We call that the fall. We failed. Therefore, this is lost to us, and God goes to plan B. That's, that's generally how people think about what God is doing. But in God's plan, there is no plan B. When God is working in your life, when he started something, there is nothing more powerful than his goodness and love. So there doesn't need to be a plan B. So when you think about what God created, what God started in your life, when you think about formation, stop thinking about it of me messing up. Start thinking about it, and this is the struggle of my life to learn about how good God really is. Instead of thinking, this, this thing I did divided me off from what God already started. Think of it this way. I might be falling today, but my falling is shaping my life somehow. 
I might have failed today, but God is using it somehow to teach me and to mold me. Some of the greatest things I've ever learned in my life, I've learned through my failures. I have, I have no doubt that I have dishonored God and disappointed God, but what I'm thankful today is because when my life moves in God's plan from creation to formation, it reminds me God's not looking for performance-driven Christianity. Somebody needs to hear that today. God's not looking to just, just have me perform a certain way so that I could be like Him. He wants to form me. He wants to shape me. So the process of discipleship, the gospel of Tov is this, is that God's called me into a season of formation in my life. It's a struggle, but I'm becoming. Somebody say, I'm becoming who God created me to be. So you can let go of today this performance mentality that I have to match what some, some picture of what God's called you to be. You're, God's not impressed by your good things because God already is in those things. But what he is impressed by is somebody that'll say, God, I'm following you through this season of fire in my life. I'm following you even though it's a struggle for me. I don't want to do this. Anybody else said that? I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't like this process, but it is forming me. And then we move, we eventually move through the struggle to a place of revelation. And this is what we get out of Jesus. Jesus becomes the revelation. It's the moment where you realize that I don't have to live that way anymore. I am a new creation. I can now live into this new, this new creation that I am. It's a revelation in your life, not just of a principle or just a good thing. It's when you see Jesus face to face. And isn't it good news to know that if I'm in a season of struggle and forming my life on the other side of that struggle is a new revelation of who Jesus is. Isn't it amazing that in my life right now, I might be battling, I might be struggling, but I know somewhere along the line, there's going to be a revelation in my life where I, something, listen, something that the world cannot take away from you. I could take, we could go to a classroom, I could tell you about what God is doing or who God is, but when you experience it, nobody can take that from you. When the cultivation of the soil of your soul is moving, is being turned over in formation, when the seed, once the seed gets planted, that revelation sprouting up, nobody can steal that from you. Jesus tells that the parable of the seeds. When the seed falls on rocky ground, you know why it can't spring up? It springs up quickly, but you lose it because formation hadn't happened. When, when the, the seed springs up amongst thorns and weeds, that's because formation. What am I saying? You can't skip formation. You can't, can't skip the process. If you want the seed of revelation to take place in your life, you have to move. You have to begin that you know what is good. You have to enter into the forming process. And then when that revelation comes to your life, when Jesus springs out, it's always at that point when you've exhausted all of your efforts and all of your plans and all your power that God shows up. God takes us from creation to formation to revelation, and then he ends in consummation. Consummation is the confidence that nothing is more powerful than God's love. It's somehow knowing that God is going to use all of this to bring about his good. Really, if you look in Scripture, you start in Genesis, and then you move to Revelation. You can read in Revelation 21 later. God begins with creation, and he ends with bringing creation back to order again. 
John is even saying that in, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning was, in the beginning God hovered over the deep and it was formless and void and then God created in the beginning. John says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word with, with God, with, was with God. What's John saying? John got a revelation that Jesus represents the completion already but not yet of what God's going to do. See what I want you to see this morning is that God was in the beginning. Christ is in the beginning. Christ manifests in Jesus in the middle and Christ will be all in all in the end. He will bring about all those things. So that's when you know that church as a family, as a church, we can stop behaving re with reaction. We can stop behaving with violence. We can, that's what Dr. King understood. You don't have to lash out. You don't have to fire back because somehow I can just look you in the eye and say, you might hate me. You might attack me, but my God's plan is sure. He will finish what he already started. And this I have faith in it. Let me end with these three things I want to share with you. Just to remind you of this, I'm going to give you some points. I want you to write them down. Remember this, that Tov is in creation. God starts with good. He's in the middle in Jesus, and God will end in revelation in good. I want to challenge us as a church. I know we're moving through a, a season of, of just growing in God, but I believe that God is looking for a church that will say God is always good and live that way. A church, and what I love about the Gate Church is we have a church that believes that all peoples can come here. We believe the Holy Spirit will move when they come. We believe that God is doing a work in this region, and God is transforming lives, and all are welcome. And because of that belief, because of that, that kind of leadership, we're making a difference in this city. So I want you to write down these things. Why is this important to me? Number one, if you know that God is good, number one, it reminds us that what we call a lost cause, God calls a setup. Somebody needs to hear that today. We know that what we call a lost cause is often God calling a setup. I don't know what it is in your life this week, and the worship team can come. We're gonna we're gonna pray over our families today and end this. But I want to challenge you as we go through this these these points here at the end that what you think is a failure, what you think is something you've disappointed God in, God is setting you up right in the middle of formation. You're moving into a new level of revelation. What does it take? It just takes obedience. It just takes you saying, God, I'm going to follow you even when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to get aggressive about following you. I'm going to take a step of faith out even when I don't know where the next three are. I'm going to follow your path. So number one, God's setting you up. Number two, the Christian life is not a test to prove something. It's an invitation to live the kingdom. The Christian walk of faith, our life as a church, is not something we're trying to prove or some metric we're trying to match, but it's an invitation to say this, Lord, let your kingdom come in my life just like it is in heaven. I want to walk that process. I want to walk out that lifestyle where I am in tune with what God's doing on earth just like it is in heaven. And then three is this, even when you can't see it, Jesus is still Lord over all of it. Even when you can't see it, Jesus is still Lord 
over all of it. And as I look around the room today, and I know many of your stories, I know that you've been in a battle and you've been faithful, and sometimes you can't see what God is doing. I just want you to know that He's still Lord over all of it. There's still a plan. Somebody say, there's still a plan for my life. God still has a purpose. As we were praying this morning, I just felt in my spirit that that you're going to find, I, I texted a friend today and I just was praying, I, she's going through a very difficult moment in her life and right in the middle of family being torn apart and no answers and, and, and feeling like a failure. I just texted her, I just said, I believe you're gonna find God's goodness right in the middle of your mess. I feel like that's a word for somebody today. You're gonna find God's goodness right in the middle of the struggle you're going through today. That's some, that's some of our online family. You can receive that today. So as we close this service out, would you just bow your heads? I want to pray over you. I'm just asking God to move on your life this morning. This is a holy moment. Thank you, Jesus. I would have been discouraged and given up had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, I pray today of our church family, several are in a battle right now. They're having to obey second to second. It feels like day to day. But you're a big God and you're a good God. And I'm just asking today that they would find right here in this moment, the goodness right in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of the struggle they would find the goodness of the Lord. I thank you today that out of our obedience, faith is arising. So I pray for you today. Why don't you just receive that today? Maybe you just need to extend your faith and say that right now. Just lift your hands and say, I just get in faith with what you're doing. Lord, I'll obey your voice and I'll follow your lead. In Jesus' name, God, I bless your people and I thank you. This is a good day and a good moment. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and thank God for that. Hallelujah.